White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead! There goes number 400! The big Brad Burns takes the perfect game! His second no-hitter! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Can it go? Grand slam! The White Sox winner and a world championship! Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson! This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Socks Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. Episode number 37. My name is Herb Lawrence. That is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, a little bit better day by day. Uh, it's been a rough week um, around these parts as, as we lost a dear friend of ours. And I, I, I'm happy to say that I think we could call him a friend. Uh, Ed Farmer passed away this week at the age of 70. And uh, as I found out that this was going to potentially happen uh, late Wednesday night. It really hit me hard, Herb. Um, I don't know about you, but I got very emotional about this. You know, Ed had not been in the best of health pretty much since we've known him, but I think that's part of why it hit me so hard because when, when someone's in such a perpetual state of of not the greatest of health as Ed was since I've known him, you kind of just live with that as the reality, right? So mm-hmm. when, when I found out that, that he wasn't doing so well, it just, it, I, I was just overcome uh, w- with grief. I don't, I don't know how, how you felt about it, but I guess talk to me about some of the emotions that, that you went through when you found out uh, that Ed Farmer had passed away. Uh, I remember looking at it and like, so I remember you telling me, that uh, you know, he only had a couple days left, uh, and I was like, that that took me because I knew, you know, so we all knew, like last year when we visited the booth, and you know, him missing a couple games, and then this year he did a game, I guess, in Arizona, and then they pretty much said that he's not going to do any more games until the regular season. Um, so I knew something was happening, but to hear it, to have like. It actually happening was I wasn't ready for it, so it was just like, boom, it's a hit. And I went and uh, Tanny and uh, Chris Ranji texted me. I texted him and asked, and he's like, "Yeah, I got it. The confirmation he's passed." And I was just like, beside myself. I was like, you know, somebody so close. You know, if I was just a White Sox fan, never met Ed Farmer, it still would kind of hit hard because he's the voice of White Sox baseball since specifically since 2006 but he's worked for the white Sox on the radio calls like since 91 92 so yeah it's like a person that you've known for a long time but since we did know him off the air and talking to him all the time and feel like we're friends like everybody who's ever met farmer feels goes away feeling like uh that's a personal friend and he treated you as such and so yeah it kind of hit me hard and like uh i feel uh, for his wife Barbara and his daughter Shanda, you know, great man left us, and uh, I'm very sad that to see him go. But I'm very happy that he's no longer in pain, and he's up there in heaven, you know, telling jokes to Saint Peter. Oh, so you're Saint Peter? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he, yeah. If if uh, Al Collins is up there and they have some sort of like recreational baseball game up there, <laughs> I'm sure he's telling Al, uh, Al, I I own the inside part of that plate, so you better back off. If I see you leaning over, you're going to get drilled again. <laughs> that was his teammates, wasn't he? <laughs> Were they his teammates? Yeah, I remember like something where he had a story where a guy did something against him, and he held that for years. And then he finally became teammates with that guy, and he hit him in, in like a scrimmage game in uh, spring training. Because <laughs> he oh, held that's him right. so long. Yes, I always uh, confuse that story with the actual when he actually being uh, Al Collins and Al Collins uh, from from the Tigers. Like if you don't know that story, I think you could find it's on YouTube. Like the last, you know, the postmortem is on YouTube. But you know, uh, but but Farmer drilled Al Collins uh, in the head, I think. And just a real quick aside about Ed as a pitcher, I wasn't old enough to see him pitch, but you can go there and watch him on YouTube, and 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 you could see he he was a nasty son of a bitch on that mound, man. He like he mm-hmm. that South Side attitude that he that he had when he was calling baseball games, he took that with him on the mound, and this was before like you know when you don't have that. That 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 old man wisdom that that he had when he's up in the broadcast booth, you know, seeing the game from a different angle. When he's on the mound, he was a he he was a tough competitor, man. That's the one thing that I've heard from people that that knew him uh, from his playing days and, and known him when he since he was growing up. But he was a tough competitor. So he so he drills out Collins from the Tigers, I think, and then instead of you know jogging to first base. He attacks that farmer, and there was this big brouhaha that broke out, and it, it was just one of the one of the nastiest baseball brawls uh, of its era. And then, then, uh, I, I, then I just remembered that story as you were telling you about farmer sharing it in spring training. I think it was you know some years later, but yeah, I mean, just when you grow up uh, as a Sox fan. Farmer just be is is part of your life, and I've been a Sox fan my whole life, and I remember riding around, you know, in the car with with my dad or, or my grandparents, listening to John Rooney and Ed Farmer on the radio, and just being a part of so many great moments in your life, and turning down Joe Buck and Tim McCarver at Game Four, two thousand five World Series, turning them down, and turning on John Rooney and Ed Farmer for the final three outs, and just getting emotional that that night. It was pretty much at right after Juan Uribe's great catch that that I that the tears started flowing for me. So, you know, a lot of people you mentioned that hadn't met Ed Farmer feeling just as emotional as I am because I think he made everyone feel like you were a friend to him, and that was one of his best attributes as a person. And I was trying to tell my wife the other day, this, you know, why I was so broken up about it. When you work in radio. And mm-hmm. you work on a baseball broadcast. So take take that. You have that one part where you're talking about a baseball broadcaster who's there three hours a night, at least every night over the course of of most of the calendar year as the baseball season runs. So you're spending mm-hmm. a significant portion of time with a baseball broadcaster, and then take that and take that person and make them one of your coworkers. And then you're you're talking to that person, you know, in commercial breaks and. And getting ready to do a broadcast with that person or those people, him and DJ, every night for a, a many years, and mm-hmm. it, it really feels like they're 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 part of your your extended family. So that's why it hit me so hard because if you think of all the times you're not maybe they're not there physically with somebody, but all the time that that you're there talking to them, 
day in, day out. I think that's that was the gravity for me of the situation is is someone who you don't realize how much time of your life you spent with someone un, until they're gone. So that that's what hit me the hardest, I think. Yeah, and it's like um, we go to the ballpark and we go to either USL or guarantee rate and Paul or Mark Zarang, uh, rest in peace, Mark, uh, would give us passes to get up there and we would go and see them on the road to Kansas City, go to New York, myself and uh, Melissa Michaels, or we go on the road to um, where else do we go? Pittsburgh. And we saw Ed and DJ and just have a good conversation. The off the air stuff is just classic. You know, Ed has a lot of stories, has great stories, is a great storyteller. And he will just uh, break down of all the people he knows. He's not bragging. He's just saying he's just doing it. I think he's doing it for your benefit to, to you know, uh, to make you feel comfortable, not, you know, be the guy who's supposed to carry the conversation because Ed's a talker. So he'll talk as long as you you want him to. And he'll want to find out about you, too, if you need the space to say what you need to say, because he uh, uh, many a time would ask me about. You know my favorite football team. And he's like, why not Notre Dame? It's like, well, I never really was into Notre Dame. I didn't really like them. Only like Tony Rice really when they won the national championship. That was a good start. You should have kept on going. Um, but yeah, so you know he, he was a great man and gave us a ride. Me and Melissa Michaels back from City Field to our uptown or it was a Upper East Side hotel that we're staying in in new york when we went to new york like when we go to games and we went to kansas city or pittsburgh we didn't expect him you know we just pop it in our head just to say hello just to say hey a familiar face an unfamiliar place uh, thanks for letting us come up here and experience this and you know, you know we're not expecting him to take us back to our hotels in these regards and he and dj extended that to us and it was very nice it was unexpected and the ride home was one of the funnest times i've had in my life where i just driving like a maniac down the new york streets and getting us back to our hotel quick as hell yeah i remember that that pnc trip and what what a great day that was we i think that was the longest that we spent talking to them before a game uh during that trip in pittsburgh and it was it was 30 years after notre dame versus Miami Catholics versus convicts <laughs> and just to paint a picture we're walking up to the to the press level at PNC Park it's one of the best views in baseball but before you see that best view with with the three rivers and the great and the uh the Willie Stargell bridge out there in the outfield you, here's Farmer sitting there with his Notre Dame Catholics versus convicts t-shirt on a random uh, May night in Pittsburgh in 2018. He's like, oh, I just got this shirt for my good friend. You know, he was like always that dude. He was always about that Notre Dame life. And some of my best memories in broadcasting or, or even as a Sox fan or just being with you are, are those times that we, we spent in those booths with that and DJ before a game, just hanging out. And like you said, I think that that's a good call when you said that he would take on the lion's share of the talking to kind of just sort of put you at ease a little bit. And he uh, definitely accumulated a lot of stories over his years and growing up on the South side and playing major league baseball, then in broadcasting. So we had plenty of stories to share. And one of my favorite memories of him was, you know, taking my dad up at target field in 2012 and, you know, asking the great engineer there, Wayne Selly, if, uh, if I can come up and see Ed and DJ. And it was the first time that I had ever gone up there to see him without you guys around. But I wanted my dad to meet him. And it was like a father and son road trip type deal. And I was like, this would be pretty cool to introduce my dad to, to Ed Farmer. Because when you're when you're 
coming up in, through the ranks is in in radio, at least in sports radio. It's it's a long road, man, and there there's very few victories. And we're, whenever you find one, you have to take it and hold on to it. But for me, that was like a victory for me is being able to go up there to the press level and introduce my dad to Ed Farmer. And of course, you know, as as a couple of uh, Irish Catholic guys, you know, they got along famously and. My dad had a great time up there talking to Ed and DJ, and Ed played at St. Rita. My dad played baseball at Gordon Tech, so they had tons of stories about playing in the Catholic League. and And my dad, you know, he, he was a pretty pretty decent baseball player when he was in high school. Um, but you know, of course, Ed and DJ went on to play Major League Baseball. So I remember my dad, you know, talking with DJ about the uh, the great left-hander Charlie Liebrandt, and my dad was talking about how he couldn't hit him uh, at all; he couldn't touch him, and that's how he knew, like, yeah, this is probably not going to work out for me. And of course, DJ saying, "Oh, I had no problem with him. <laughs> of course you didn't. You know, <laughs> you're a Major League player for a lot of years. So of course you didn't. But you know, they they shared a lot of great stories that knew a lot of the same people." from the Catholic league days and, you know, in the seventies, cause they were, you know, Farmy was just a, a few years older than my dad. So that, that was a great day for me. I didn't say a word to, to any of them edgewise. So, you know, that was just a, I was just standing back watching my dad, you know, talk to Ed and DJ and, you know, Ed is just the master of, of holding court. It was one of the favorite days of the year back when the Sox were on the score is when, Ed and DJ would come in to do commercials or just Mm -hmm. they would come in just to to say hello to the sales staff, say hello to the production staff. Mitch would bring them in and Ed would just sit there and hold court in the conference room for, you know, hours, you know, where people could come up and, you know, you pop in and out and Ed would just tell story after story after story. But it was genuinely a day that we look forward to. And I think that's what I'm going to miss the most about him is just, you know, sharing stories because, you know, slowly you know we're, we're just losing people uh, of that era it was a different time and place to to grow up in and and ed told us a lot of those private stories about what it was like growing up uh you know in the the 60s on the south side of chicago and told us a lot of those memories and you know it was it was t- stories and tales of an era gone by and you, you lose those people in your life and, and it's tough and we try to keep them alive by by sharing our great memories of them but yeah farmer definitely a guy that's going to be missed and when like myself when you're an Irish Catholic kid growing up in Chicago and, and you're a White Sox fan you sort of had like this 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 salty crust about you you have that you know chip on your shoulder the size of the the World Series monument out there at 35th and Shields and Farmer had that with him too when he was calling a baseball game he loved the White Sox through and through and I think that's what we all loved about him but he's he's definitely going to be missed and uh, we're going to share a lot of our favorite uh, funny memories because I think one of the tragedies about about this is with the coronavirus pandemic going on, he's not going to get the proper Irish wake that that a man like him deserves, and I think that's the worst part because, um, you know, it would have been nice to see people that that loved him like we did and gather and share our memories and you know for in for the Irish culture anyway, an, an Irish wake is just an excuse excuse to get together and drink and you know maybe sometimes MF people, but for the most part just share great memories and he's not going to be able to have that. Now I'm sure they're going to have something at the ballpark if they do play baseball this year. They're going to have some type of remembrance for him, but we're going to try to remember him the best we can here on the podcast. So uh, one other quick story, uh, Herbie. I, I told you this story yeah. many times. It was... 
uh, the night uh, before, it was the day before Easter. I think it was 2013-ish. And if you've heard this story before, forgive me, but I'm going to share it because it's it's the quintessential Ed Farmer. So my wife makes dinner reservations for me and her to go out to, to David Burke's uh, prime house for, for my birthday dinner. It was the day before Easter. And we're up there. We're hosting the, the affiliates uh, in the uh, score suite that day, the White Sox radio affiliates from, from all around the state and surrounding area. You know, they come up to the suite and, you know, enjoy the free food and just, you know, sort of reap the benefits of what it's what it's like to, to carry the White Sox uh, on, on your radio station. So go up there, say hello to Ed and DJ, you know, hang out for a little bit, hang out with Ziggy and uh, with Paul Zerang. And during during the inning, I'm about to head out of there. And again, this is a situation where it was just me. So it was one of one of the few interactions where, where Farmer put me on the spot instead of just taking over. Uh, I said, Christopher, you're a Catholic, aren't you? I said, yes, Ed, I, I am. And, you know, you speak with, with to Farmio with the utmost reverence, like if it was, you know, someone with more power and authority than your own father, right? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't get in quite call him Mr. Farmer, but yes, Ed, I, I am Catholic, yes. And uh, are you, are you going to go to, uh, you're going to go to Catholic Mass with me after, after the game here? Uh, well, actually, my wife and I, she made reservations to, for my birthday tonight, so I don't think I could make it. First of all, not even are you going to Mass tomorrow for Easter Sunday, but are you going to come with me tonight? Uh, we're going to Catholic Mass. Me and AJ Przinsky are going after the game, you know, because, of course, uh, on a Sunday, they're, they're getting out of town typically, so they don't have time to go to Mass, so they do it on Saturday nights, I guess, at the ballpark. But I was like, I, you know, my, my wife's taking me out tonight. You know, I would love to, but, you know, I'll make sure to get to church tomorrow for Easter Sunday. Like, Christopher, when you get up there, upstairs to St. Peter, he's going to ask you, why don't you see Catholic Mass with Ed Farmer and AJ Przinsky? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, you're right, Ed, you're right. And DJ's just sitting there laughing. But it was just one of those truly, that was by far, you know, one of the funniest things that ever happened and can you believe that i didn't go that's one of my great regrets in life that i that i didn't go to catholic mass with that farmer and aj Przinsky. what was i thinking herb i mean he's gonna be sitting there when you make it up there and say <laughs> oh you, god say, Peter, i told you oh god I'd ask him about not going to catholic mass that one saturday <laughs> afternoon at the ballpark <laughs> that's right to the south of chicago <laughs> that's right and speaking <laughs> of the that way, here's peter satira <laughs> right he's yeah. been up here for a while too <laughs> got the sheriff tom dart here is with us too jesse what <laughs> sit down jesse have a cookie um, yeah. you, you go up uh, to we Ed- got, uh, Pat Quinn, former governor of Illinois. He's <laughs> here too. That's yeah. right. Also, Brian Kelly and uh, Bob Davey and Charlie Weiss are all up here, friends. <laughs> Every single Lou Holtz, come on in. We have a cookie, Lou Holtz. Uh, you, <laughs> you'd go up to Ed's booth, and it was immediately, it was like they had the best cookie tray ever imaginable. That's how they greet you. It wasn't just you going up there and say hello, it was. You're you're this is you're basically coming into our home now, so we want you to have all all the the great comforts that we have in our home. We want you to take part in that. So all the food you wanted, the, the drinks that you wanted, were you know anything that you wanted was was right there for you. And and they had the sign in Ed and DJ's booth, absolutely no visitors. I'm sure it was like Brooks that put it up there, or you know probably not Bob Grimm, but Brooks Brooks probably put it up there because Ed was always having people come in the booth and. You look at the sign like, oh, man, I guess maybe we shouldn't go in there and say hi to Ed and DJ. And then, of course, you know, you peek your head and it's like, guys, come on in here. Have a cookie. You know, so that was everything you need to know about Ed. He was just he was just so welcoming and just such a just such a warm guy. And DJ, too, man, like these guys were were, were like family. And, you know, my, my heart breaks for, for Darren. And I reached out to him this week with my condolences. But. You know, it, it was it was tough to hear him on that conference call, and you know we're certainly thinking about you, Darren, and you know we're we're going to remain great friends, and we're still going to pop in 
you know, and see you and whoever's with you, whether it's Andy Mazur or whoever it is. I don't have any inside information, just speculating, uh, but we're going to still, you know, Andy, you're going to have to get used to us coming up there if it's, if it's you, but you know, so, you know, we're, we're thinking about you, Darren. And, uh, you know, certainly we have a lot of great memories over the years with the, with those two guys. So it, it, it hit me hard this week, but that doesn't mean we, uh, we can't laugh uh, along the way. Um, Herbie, when you think of, of what it was like to produce White Sox baseball, you know, a lot of those games with, with myself, we spent a lot of hours in those studios together. What, what do you what do you remember best about like sort of like the in game broadcast experience of of working with with Ed Farmer? Well, I you know I know you know, but one of my favorite things to do is to play some songs coming back from a break that Ed would you know recognize and just he would say like you know that's twenty five or six to four, but as a group Chicago, yes, Peter Terror, we love them. He's out of the group now. Or have Sticks, Renegade by Sticks, Dennis DeYoung, one of my good friends, which Dennis DeYoung called into the station the other day and eulogized his good friend Ed. And you got to talk to Dennis DeYoung. How was that? What was that like talking to oh, Dennis DeYoung of like, Sticks? Uh, you know, you get calls all the time from people who say that that they're this guy, that guy, the other. You know, I remember the famous Allen Iverson guy. It wasn't Allen Iverson that got on the air. Um, but, you know, I listened to him and I said, like, he sounds like Dennis Young. And then I checked what the number that he what he called in with and it said his wife's name. And I looked it up on the Internet and it was him. So I was like, yeah, definitely, Dennis, we're going to get you on. I'll be great for you to come on and talk with Ed Farmer. We had a guest on at the time, so we had to call him back uh, like 20 minutes later. But, yeah, he was very very excited and gave great stories about ed and a great eulogy about him so that's the things i wanted to impart like when i was doing my job one of the fun things is to have ed just you know the sounds of this group and he understood like michael jackson and such i know you have uh, a clip for uh, ed uh, mentioning michael jackson oh, like, days either the day of or days after his death so uh, that's the, one of the things I used to do, just play some music that Ed kind of liked or DJ would recognize, like Second Time Around or the, the Beastie Boys one. Kick it! So I don't know if you have the clip of uh, Ed talking about Michael Jackson or not. Ed certainly provided a lot of uh, hilarious moments over the years for us, and we're going to get to those in a second. But before we do... This week, you know, it's been kind of hectic with us being quarantined. You know, so uh, Courtney and I, my girlfriend, uh, I've gone to Postmates, you know, to help a local business out. You know, they're struggling also. So we use Postmates to get some of our order out or carry out or delivery uh, food to us for evenings. Um, if you're like me, you like food. So you definitely are thinking about food when it's lunchtime. I'm at work with Tanny and I'm like, man, where are me and Courtney going to eat when I get home? You know, they deliver the food from every restaurant you could think about. You know, even the fast food restaurants you have a craving for something specific fast food or these local restaurants, which I do a little bit more. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis. They actually make it easy to deliver groceries and whatever you could think of. I don't even know that. The convenience stores and clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. In this atmosphere, in this era, you don't want to really go to the store. No more late night fast food runs. If you don't want to have to worry about grabbing food or grabbing lunch, call Postmates. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within an hour. For a limited time, Postmates is going to give our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. 
To start free deliveries, download the app and use Locked On. That's code Locked On. That's Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So it was the day of Michael Jackson's funeral in Los Angeles. It was it was a big day, you know. It was sort of you know everyone gathered. It was it was a pretty monumental day in the news cycle for everyone that came out to Michael Jackson's funeral. And of course, we had a Sox game that night, and we decided. I don't know if it was. I think it was me and Joe or me and you. I don't remember. It was probably Joe. If this was twenty ten, does that sound yeah, right? Twenty nineteen. 2009 Nine, I okay died. so yeah i was not full-time yet yeah so i was there part-time and joe was running running the show and we decided that we're just gonna play michael jackson music coming out of every break and here's how farmer reacted to that but sednick ramirez and dying all night long folks we're going to have lead-ins to and from the innings with uh, tribute to mike michael jackson at the service today at staples center in los angeles the king of pop was a musician i loved his work the other things, not so much. Allegedly. It gets me every time, especially the allegedly. It's really the cherry on top of that clip. And <laughs> it's just it's funny every single time. Uh, the other oh, stuff, not so much. Uh, allegedly. allegedly. The pedophilia. Yeah, not a fan, friends. Um, that was the thing about Farmer 2 is just that, that dry wit the matter of fact wit, like I, I loved it. A lot of people didn't quite get it, but he did. He did have some great comedic timing. And here's another clip, kind of in the same vein, when when Ed and DJ are talking about Nick Swisher. I think this is after he uh, returned to uh, U.S. Cellular at the time when, when he was in a Yankee uniform. It was after he had left the Sox already. So one out. Here's Nick Swisher, the switch batting right fielder, going through his routine, and he loves his routine in that right-handed batter's box. You know, all this stuff, all these antics that he does. Yeah. Can you imagine how many kids are out in backyards mimicking him? I hope none. The 2-2. Two -two. That's what I love about baseball broadcast is the, the comedic timing where you can make your little joke and then there's a pitch to come. So it's like, I hope none. The 2-2. Two -two, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of my favorite things about listening to baseball on the radio. Like, to me, it's just the... the the, the comedic gold that it yields just when you can make your little joke and quickly move on as a play-by-play -play man. I, I love that. And, you know, to get back to what you were talking about, about playing Ed Farmer bingo and playing music of Sticks and, and Ides of March, Chicago groups that Ed would recognize just to sort of get a reaction from them. That was like one of my proudest moments where I put together the Ed Farmer tribute that I'm going to, you know, pump in at the end of this, this uh, podcast here so you guys can all hear it. I did it for... Uh, the score, the you know the day that he passed, but when when Danny Mac asked Dennis DeYoung which stick song do you think best encapsulates Ed Farmer, like what you know what would he come out to if they had walkout music as a pitcher back then, and you know Dennis, it took him a while to think of one, but the whole time I'm like, well, I was thinking Blue Collar Man in my head. I'm like Blue Collar Man, Blue Collar Man, and of course eventually he says, oh, what about Blue Collar Man? And that was one of the songs that we played a lot. And that meant a lot to me that, that Dennis DeYoung of Sticks thought that song was perfect without totally unknowing that, that that's the song that I had used for his Ed Farmer tribute. So I, I hope I did him justice. But um, just one of the other things when you, when you think about Farmer, this clip follows me around everywhere. 
whenever there's a guy named Dan Johnson or whenever like <laughs> Dan Johnson hung around baseball for longer than he should have because he, he tried to convert to a pitcher. Right. So he was kind of like, you know, he thought he was retired or whatever. Then he came back in the league and, you know, you'd see a, a news report, Dan Johnson uh, trying his hand at pitching for such and such organization in the minor league. And people would always hit me up as if they were like searching the term, you know, had a Google alert for Dan Johnson. People would hit me up with a, and tag me in the article and say, he's on the team for next year. We've talked about <laughs> it on this podcast before, but I also laugh at this every time. It was the final day of whatever season Dan Johnson was with the White Sox. I think it was 2012. Was the final the Yankees, uh, Indians, I think, in Cleveland. Indians, okay. But he he hits three home runs in the season finale uh, against the Indians, and here's how Farmer described it: two one, a swing and a long one to right. This is going to go a three homer game for Johnson. Hi, that was out of here quick. Sox lead nine nothing. He's on the team for next year. So people hit me with, he's on the team for next year. Seriously, like every baseball season, like whenever someone hits three home runs, like, you know, even if it's a, an obscure player, someone will tell me he's on the team for next year. And it's one of those things that just in the moment, you're like, that's so Farmio, putting, taking a bench player and already proclaiming, yes, I'm putting him on the team for next year already. It's sort of like the essence of him. And you felt like it was gospel because Farmer said it. You're like, oh, maybe they should have Dan Johnson on the team for next year. Maybe Paul Canerco's yeah. washed up and they should have Dan Johnson out there. And the funny part, he wasn't on the team for next year. He was not. Absolutely not. I think he was on a baseball. Maybe he went back to Tampa. I don't remember. But, yeah, that was just, you know. That's the the part I love at the most. And uh, also, I mean, we talked about this story, too. The one where um, Philip Humber is throwing a perfect game up in Safeco Field in Seattle. And Ed's doing the game. He's relaxed. He's comfortable. He's probably getting ready for his final call. And he pretty much tanks it and says that Philip Humber's throwing a perfect game here at U.S. Cellular Field. Yeah, and- <laughs> um, you know, and you know, people rib him, uh, players rib him. You know, and in the pre-show meeting the next day, uh, we hear DJ and saying, "Oh, yeah, this guy, this guy, AJ got on him for you know saying U.S. Cellular because it had been played on." the TV broadcast, I guess. He's at SportsCenter, right, Tanny? Yeah, like I, I tried, you know, when I had to send out the final call to the Associated Press and other news outlets after the game, like, you know, they, they come, you know, ask the flagship to send it out so we can get it out there and get it on all the news wires and make sure all, all the other radio stations have it and, and this and that. But So I try to edit it and, and cover for our guy Farmio because we can't have that. This is a perfect game. You know, for me, it was old hat. It was already my second perfect game broadcast. So, you know, <laughs> but for others, you know, it's, it's, it's really a special baseball event. So you try to clean it up, take out the U.S. from U.S. Cellular Field or at U.S. Cellular Field, take it out and send it across to the, to the news wires and then you look on sports center and they're making fun of them with the with the incorrect stadium on there and to Ed's credit you know this is you know part of that mentality as as a former major league pitcher but he comes on the radio the next day and goes yeah I had it at the wrong ballpark friends and I apologize for that but yeah they, they were not at US side they were at Safeco and then just moving on talking about the next thing but you know to to his credit you know he, he was not born and bred to be a play-by-play announcer and everyone knew that and he certainly had his fair share of critics over the years, but you and I, we we loved it, you know, because we got we got the bit. Uh, we we knew mm-hmm. that you know they knew what they were talking about, and and you know technically 
you know, was was there some, you know, the the play-by-play wasn't the smoothest all the time, but the conversation between him and DJ, I, I listen to a mm-hmm. lot of radio broadcasts. The conversation and and the chemistry with him and Darren, it, it was it's right up there with with one of the best broadcasts in baseball. So for me, that I always cared more about that. Can you entertain me uh, during a lot of bad baseball? And and we saw a lot about bad baseball over the last few years. But also remember, you know, Ed presided over what was the most impactful the greatest era of White Sox baseball ever you know he jumped on in in the uh the early to mid 90s and was there next to John Rooney for the World Series final out and mm-hmm. he had the call of of Burley's no hitter and his Burley's perfect game Philip Umber perfect game and saying goodbye to great players like Paul Konerko and Mark Burley and you know there was there was no better guy to to be in you know behind a microphone than Ed was during those years so I'll always think of him, and it's it, it's kind of appropriate in a lot of ways that we 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 closed you know that chapter of White Sox history, and he was at the the forefront of that, and and hopefully start you know new chapter and, and with somebody different. But yeah, there will never be a, another guy like Ed Farmer, and, and there will never be a, another you know I guess ten year run than than what the White Sox had. In, with uh, with you know the, the World Series and the perfect games and, and the White Sox taking the national spotlight couldn't couldn't exactly hold it you know there's the blackout game there as well couldn't couldn't take that momentum and keep going but you know here we are now you know as, as we start a new baseball season and we won't be doing it with him and I and I guess I really hate that you know he's not going to be around for the good part of this because he was around for a lot of bad the last few years and. And, yes, indeed. And I think I know he's going to be there in, in spirit with us. But I, you know, I, I would have liked to seen him call one more division title at the very least. But we're we're not going to be able to see that. But you know, it, it is what it is. We have we have our great memories of him. But you know, we will have some fond memories and and some hilarious memories. And we talked about you know being up in that booth, and anyone would pop in that that booth on any given night. And here is one from, I think, 2010. Calls a great uh, Jose Abreu home run, and then uh, in pops in a special guest sort of in mid-call. Line drive to left, got a chance to go. Line drive home run. He's 20th in the Sox lead here in the first. 2-0 on Abreu's home run. Turn on the fireworks. Rob Reiner just walked in. I've known Rob for a long time. Rob Reiner's here, friends. <laughs> Light it up. <laughs> like it was always fun. I'll never remember. I'll never forget that last time we saw them. You know, when we went up there with Mitch in the last homestand of of, of 2019, and we saw Ed for the last time, and just hung out. And it was. It couldn't be a more beautiful night at the ballpark. The Sox were winning, but we 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 join them in the booth and then Eloy hits a bomb and all of a sudden like oh we're stuck here now because they're baseball guys and they're superstitious and they don't want us to leave the booth because Eloy just hit a home run the second we walked in so it was like you had to stay there so that that's always one of those cool things that that I'll remember but I'm glad we did get to, to see Ed one last time there and did you have that thought in your mind maybe that it could be the last time when, when we saw them because it, it did kind of you know, jog my mind after the fact. I was like, well, you never know. Like, you know, baseball off seasons are pretty long. You never know with any of these people if you'll, if you'll see them again. I don't know if that's something you thought or if you're just a, a, a morbid asshole like I am. Uh, yeah, well, not at the time. I wasn't thinking. I was thinking that it doesn't look good. Maybe he'll, you know, scale back the schedule or retire after this year. 
Uh, the time where I thought that Ed was in um, um, not in the greatest health, you know, like, you know, deteriorating health was when I usually send him a email wishing him a happy birthday. I believe it's October 19th. I don't don't call either 18th or 19th. And I send him an email. Hey, Ed, just thinking about you. Happy birthday. And he usually writes back. Say, thanks, Herbie. Appreciate it. Hope you're all as well. Whatever. And this past uh, birthday, he did not send me his 70th birthday. He did not send me a, a wish back or a, say, thanks, Herbie. I got it. Um, so I was thinking, like, you know, you know, if he can't respond like he usually does. And, you know, he's that guy. He would usually do it. He was, he was very attentive to people who were going to send him messages and uh, emails and texts. He's not that guy who's going to play you to the left. So I knew that something was uh, wasn't right. And I didn't you know, when I heard him doing a game this year in the preseason and spring training, I was like, all right, cool. That's good. It's good. Ed back out there. Doesn't sound like in the best of health, but it sounds like he's still doing ball games. He's going to battle this thing like he's battled it for the last 30 years and and kick ass and, uh, you know, just turn for the worse. And like we said before, it's glad that he is out of pain any, uh, right now, sad for his family. And all the rest of the White Sox family, uh, the the team, the people who listen on the White Sox radio network, all those guys, uh, guys over there at WGN, uh, Dave Zaslowski, uh, Paul Zerang, all those guys. So it's a very sad time, but also uh, I rejoice that he had a great life and he knew everybody and everybody knew him. Absolutely. And one of the things that I loved about Ed was, he, you know, he was – not afraid to tell you when he was unhappy and he brought a lot of those old school baseball ideologies with him into the broadcast booth you know you know Darren too in a lot of ways like they you know Darren came up through you know the you know guys who played baseball in the 80s man they, they're tough guys man like you know there's lots of hard slides and you know that you know you, you don't see a lot of the stuff now that you saw then you know lot lots of you know, pitching inside and brushing beanballs. beanballs, brushing you off the mound. So Darren had a little bit of that edge too, but it just Farmer was sort of like you know he he dug in a little harder, and you know Farmer would see something that he didn't like on the on the baseball diamond where you know players signaling to each other once they got first base. Professionalism has left this game at this point. I'll say that right now, guys. Now they think this is the only hit that anybody's ever got in the big leagues, and RC is digging himself at third base. He's now one for fourteen. Professionalism's long left this ball game, friends. Like it's something I'll say that every time now. Just you know, because that's what I love about baseball is sort of like the 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 medley of, of cultures. You know, the cornucopia of, of cultures. People from all around the world. They have a different way of playing the game. And I love to see people mix it up. Like I love when the redneck guy from Texas takes exception to to some you know twenty year old kid from the Dominican because he's having a good time out there. Like I'm not saying what's right or wrong. Like you know, but I love the interaction of it because you see that nowhere else in the world. And Farmer certainly, you know, a lot of things offended his baseball sensibilities. And I, I think he grew to love Fernando Rodley, Rodney over the years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because we all got used to the act. You know, Fernando was was a, a good pitcher for a lot of years, and of course, he would fire off the arrow ever after every you know Tampa Bay Rays save or Seattle Mariners save or wherever he was pitching Oakland. You know, um, but I remember when Fernando Rodney was acquired by the Cubs. 
this had to have, this was in 15, I think maybe, or even 16, but for, I think it was 16 because I, I was out in Seattle. I think I, I saw Fernando Rodney's uh, last game in a, in a Mariners uniform, humble brag there. But uh, I remember <laughs> the, the Cubs eventually acquired him and, and Farmer had a little, a little, uh, a little dig at the Cubs and Rodney uh, when Darren mentioned it. I just saw that um, your guy. Fernando Rodney yeah. was just picked up by the by Cubs. The Cubs yeah. Yeah. They may want to shoot arrows in another direction if he's not shooting them at the moon. That's low. One ball, no strikes on Austin Jackson. But yeah, the, the <laughs> Fernando Rodney thing. And I was thinking too, you know, guys like Fernando Rodney, any great personality of the game, you know, even when Melky Cabrera was here, and I loved Melky, but but Farmer was, you know, not a huge fan of some of the things that Melky would do on a baseball diamond. You know, even though he was helping the Sox win, you know, he he didn't like you know nonchalantly running to first base or you know being being, being silly doing the stirred up mechanic at first base. Farmer had a little something for you, and you know that that's that's one of the things that I'll miss about him because. You know, slowly, you know, but surely uh, that generation of, of guy in baseball, that the, that old haggard baseball guy, you know, they're we're losing them day by day here, man. And, you know, you know, as as the culture of baseball sort of changes, I think for the better, you know, I like to see guys out there having fun, but I am going to miss guys that sort of, you know, the baseball police type. I don't know if those guys will ever die off because, you know, the people in certain parts of the country will always be a certain way. But at least from a broadcasting standpoint, you're not going to hear a lot of that type of stuff anymore, I don't think. Yeah, Farm was one of kind in that stuff. And like you were saying, that he kind of mellowed in that type of uh, – he understood that Fernando Rodney didn't mean any malice, any harm. He was just having fun when he was firing his arrow up into the air after a game. And I think he realized that with – uh, a lot of people with uh, Carlos Gomez. I myself realized like I hated him when he was a twin and then loved everything he did when he was a Tampa Bay Ray because I just realized he's just having fun. He's not trying to show up people. He's not trying to do anything that's untoward to the baseball sensibilities of these older dudes. He's just trying to enjoy himself and have his teammates be the same. And that's what we're trying to accomplish in this new generation with Tim and all those. And that's Maybe that's why Ed is kind of softened. He realized his own team is doing those things. And it's a mostly Latin uh, team with the White Sox now. People are going to be enjoying themselves a little bit more than Ed would have back in the day. But he's like, okay, I can understand, you know, why and where these guys are coming from because they're not trying to show up the team. And that's how every old school baseball player took it. Like you doing something like that, like Bob Gibson. You digging in, you celebrating, looking at a home run. That's you showing me up instead of, hey, I'm celebrating my small victories I have in this game, a game of failure where uh, a game where seven out of ten times you get a hit or three out of ten times you get a hit, you're a Hall of Famer. So I need to celebrate the times I do do those things. So uh, I know he was kind of mellowed on that after a while, but I did like this, the crustiness of – Oh yeah, get the first base, DJ. Yeah, um, you celebrate. Look at the dugout, stirring it up. Yeah, professionalism. As long left lost this ball game, <laughs> left this ball game. I have no he's, problem yeah, if you're happy. I have no problem if you're happy. You're doing something well, but you know you don't you don't have to show up your team like that. You don't have to show up your opposition. Be a professional, friends. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna miss him a lot. At you know a couple other things here. Thinking about. Uh, you know, for a little inside stuff here, for those who, who didn't get a chance to to know Ed or be around the Sox during during this era, but one of my favorite things in life was when they renamed 
the broadcast booth area where <laughs> the the home home TV away TV home radio away radio Spanish radio everyone shared the same little you know booth area of of guaranteed right field uh, on on that level there and after a while they renamed it the Hawk Harrelson broadcast booth and this had to have pissed off Ed. They had not that I not that Ed didn't like Hawk or whatever, but there was always something there, and I wish I could give more detail about it. But you know, you could the the older I get, I guess, and the more stories I hear, like I think it was more so of a Hawk thing, where a Hawk like sort of had his own thing, and Hawk was such mm-hmm. a unique individual that you know he just didn't associate with 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 a lot of folks, and you know. You'd show up right before a game, leave right after. So, like, there was definitely stuff there. And I don't know if maybe it's because, you know, I don't know if it's because Ed was in baseball when Hawk was the GM of the Sox. I know that's not when Hawk was, when Ed was playing there, but there's always something there. And I, I can't pinpoint what it was, but there was always a little bit of tension there. And, yeah. And I like that Ed just called him Ken Harrelson. Yeah. When playing Ken. First base on my, my uh, de- debut. And doesn't call him Hawk. This is funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, that, I just found it funny. Yeah, it was funny, and you know, they so they renamed the broadcast area the Hawk Harrelson Broadcast Booth, right? And they had this like, it really was like a, the, uh, the 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 bronze placards you'd see in Cooperstown with with with, with the bust of, of the Hall of Famer. It was like that with that's with Hawk's face. If you go up there, and you know, I think they share the same level as the, as the club level I think but you go there and you could see the placard for Hawk and that had to have pissed off Ed to no end so the day that they dedicated that Ranji was doing pre and post Ozzy Gian found time to go up there to the booth area before a game which to me is like funny in itself but it goes to show you about baseball and how guys have a lot of free time on their hands Ozzy draws a photo of, of of draws a picture of Ed, a cartoon version of Ed Farmer, smiley face with lots of curly hair, and he writes on the sign, "Ed Farmer Bathroom," and then he tapes up the sign to the bathroom on the broadcast level. And there's, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna try to get Ranji to send it to me, but maybe we'll tweet it out from the Locked On Sox Twitter account and put it on the uh, Locked On Sox Instagram. But it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The fact that Ozzy knew that that this had to have irked Ed, so Ozzy, you know, wanted to make sure that Farmer got its recognition, and he put the the picture Ed Farmer bathroom on that shitty bathroom that so many guys have to use. There's like in and out, quick in between an inning. You know, they try to keep it clean, but there's a lot of people using the one bathroom. And the fact that Ozzy felt compelled to go up there and make it the Ed Farmer bathroom, I still call it that to this day, and I will, I forever will call it. The Ed Farmer bathroom. Yes, they should enshrine that as such because, yeah, that was funny. It's hilarious. I mean, I know the Sox are going to do something special for Ed. Uh, they will memorialize him and uh, well, maybe name something after him. The radio booth. No, I mean, they can't. Name Mark yes. Yeah. It's the Mark Zerang radio booth. Uh, maybe I don't know. The the left side of the broadcast booth could be called the Ed Farmer side of the Mark Zerang broadcast booth. Yeah, the broadcast booth. Yeah, or something like that. I don't but, know what yeah, they're gonna um, do. I don't know what they're gonna do because, like you said, Zerang's got the booth already. If Zerang's got the booth, the and Hawk has the whole area. Maybe they make the whole floor the Ed Farmer floor. Like I think that would be appropriate. Yeah. I would I would love to be there to to honor that, but. Uh, Maybe the Bartucci boys are going to name something after him. 
You know, it's his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Did you see him? Did you see? Did you see Bobby come up here? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him. Yeah. Did you see Southpaw today, Herbie? Yeah. Southpaw's up here today. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that that's that's all I got, man. I'm just I'm gonna miss the guy a ton. And I, I think I've I've shared all my favorite memories of Ed just off the top of my head. Some I had written down because some I wanted to make sure that I shared here today. But you know, just from my perspective only, you know, when when as an Irish Catholic kid from Chicago, as a White Sox fan, there was no better man up there behind that microphone to kind of you know articulate what you were feeling than than Ed Farmer. He he was White Sox South Side through and through. Even though my family grew up on the North Side, but way back in the day. My family came from the South Side. That's you know why we're White Sox fans. But Farmer was was he was the best representation of us. And I think as Sox fans, we can all uh, agree on that. But Herbie, any any final thoughts talking about our guy Ed? No, not re- I mean just to say that he's a, a very gregarious guy, a caring guy, a guy that didn't have to because we work with play by play guys, and it's not their responsibility to care about us, but. Guess what? Ed and DJ did. So they cared about us personally, you know, and like I said the other day on the air, it's not it's not necessarily um, a play by play's job, play by man's job to do the name checking that he does. Like Chuck Swarski will do it from time to time in the Bulls broadcast. But Ed and DJ for all the games that we did is for young guy who's you know just trying to make his way into the base the business for him to name check everybody who's working the booth he would just say herb lawrence chris Tannehill, joe ostrowski helping us in the in the booth and it was it meant a lot he didn't have to do that he wanted to talk to us during the breaks hear our conversations what we're thinking about um and especially when we visit the booth he's it's a one minute 40 seconds in between uh, the last inning and the the next half inning and he's talking to us up until the last second he can. He's just like relaxed and just like talking to us about whatever is going on. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, how's us Cubs baseball? You know, you guys are Cubs oh, fans now, aren't man. you? Oh man, he he ripped us. They they were breaking our ball so bad when we went up there after the score had acquired the Cubs and it was the first time we went up there in 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 16 after the Sox left the score and we went up there and said hello to Ed and DJ and they just ripped us to no one. Hey, DJ's like, Hey, where's your cub hat? And like, Oh, you guys are going to come up here now. <laughs> oh, okay. I see how it is. Yeah. Yeah. WCUB. Yeah. Here they are guys. The cub fans are here, you know, but that was like, you know, stuff like that. I'll, I'll always remember uh, about Ed. just the, the ball breaking, like between the two of them, I think, you know, DJ mentioned it on the conference call this week, like the, the, the shit they would call each other during a half inning, like, you know, before a pitcher pitcher's matchup, you know what I mean? Like they, they really had a good time and they really loved each other. And it was like, you know, you could tell that they loved each other because the amount of ball breaking that went on there was really, really, uh, to another level. So, you know, you made you feel like you were, you were part of that family. I mean, when I got married, you know, Farmer mentioning it, you know, on the air, like all the, all these things that happened in my life when my grandmother passed, like that brought a lot of great comfort to my family. When when Ed mentioned that, you know, the White Sox family lost, you know, Rosemary Tannehill, and uh, you know, a lot of my family took great comfort in that, and that was that was a great gesture by him. When my daughter was born, Ed mentioned it. You know what I mean? So it was like these things in my life that that they're there with you for, and it's just you know, it's crazy that he's not going to be here anymore, but. Just before we get out of here, uh, that that's all I got. I will share the Ed Farmer tribute and that I did for the score this week, and it, it was therapeutic. I got it nice and early. 
on Thursday. It was one of the worst days uh, in my life, I could say, because you know you lose someone close to you, and then the things that happened uh, in our industry professionally. It was it was a day that uh, I'll be happy to forget all around. But you know, any day that you're breathing uh, from here on out is a good day. But it was it was therapeutic to put this farmer tribute together. So, uh, Herb, anything else you got for us uh, on uh, the Ed Farmer episode? I'm not. Just rest in peace, Eddie Farmer. There you go. There you have it. You said it best. So here is my Ed Farmer tribute as heard this week on 670 The Score. We've got some breaking news, and it's bad news. Ed Farmer has passed away. I just love the game of baseball. My mom got me a glove. I learned how to play catch uh, with Charlie Thompson across the alley in the neighborhood, 79 to Francisco. Baseball's annual All-Star game, the 51st. Here are the 1980 All-Stars. First, the American League from the Chicago White Sox. Pitcher Ed Farmer. Ed Farmer. Tell me, how'd you become the best relief pitcher in the American League? Well, Harry, I did it by becoming more positive on the mound when I took the ball from the manager. The White Sox have enjoyed good success thus far this season would be that man, the big right-hander Ed Farmer. Keeping my pitches down, moving the ball in and out on the strike zone. Pete Rose gets a bouncer down to Randolph. Willie over to Yount, one, and back to first, double play. My address has been 35th in the Dan Ryan since I was 11 years old, basically, because I used to ride the bus up 35th Street. Afternoon baseball from USIU, the field with Darren Jackson, Ed Farmer, and welcome to coverage of White Sox baseball. Brzezinski knocked over the catcher, Barrett. Oh, there's a fight behind home plate. Barrett punched Brzezinski right in the grill. Tommy waits for the 3-2. Here it is. A swing and a high fly ball left center field. He's going to join the 500 club. Sox win 9-7. Light it up. I've been a Blackhawk fan my whole life. I hate the Wings. I hate the King. Phoenix Coyotes. I hate them. I hate the Vikings. And it's a sea of black here at U.S. Cellular Field. Pitch to Alexei. Swing and a fly ball. Dropping fast. Right center field. Anderson dives. Sox win. Sox win. With their 163rd game. It's their 89th win. Swinging a long one to right. This is going to go a three-homer game for Johnson. He's on the team for next year. Get off the deck. Turn on a fireworks. Quit yelling. Fans are chanting, Burley, Burley. The 1-1 to Laird. Swing, bouncing ball to third. This could be it. Greedy has it. Throws to first. Yes! Burley's got a no-hitter. He now hits the Rangers. He was almost perfect tonight on the south side. Egg bag, is it enough? He's hit his 400th as Kadir goes. Everybody up here at U.S. Cellular. The 2-1 to Bartlett. Swing shot to short. Ramirez has it. Throws. Burley picks a perfect game. His second no-hitter. He now hits the Tampa Bay Rays. He's mobbed by his teammates. A perfecto. My feet feel like they're on a branch up here at Safeco Field. The 3-2 umper pitch. Strike three called. Ball gets away from Persinski. He has pitched a perfect game. Umper has pitched a perfect game. His first win this year is a perfecto. We have the time uh, for Darren and myself. We want to thank everyone connected with this broadcast. We talk about the friends that we say goodbye to. Everybody who works at this ballpark to make White Sox baseball possible. For Darren Jackson, that farmer saying goodbye. This is a great seat. It's important to stream going up as a White Sox fan. This is something that doesn't happen to everybody, and I understand that. It's great to be a White Sox fan. Who has a family here? That wraps up episode number 37 on Locked On Sox. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On MLB. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Chris Ranji's next. We'll take your calls on the postgame show on The Score and the Toyota White Sox Radio Network. Have a great night. Don't talk to me tomorrow about what happened, friends. I know I'm going to see you at the health club.